You are listening to Hope Alive, streaming live from Hope Restoration Ministries, Kempton Park, South Africa. That tree is still standing. That tree is still green. But mustard seed, it is not affected by the physical things, by what you see. Because faith, it is not the issues of sight. We don't walk by you sight. But we walk for you to take your testimony out there. Hi, this God has been so good to me. Do you want your sermons or church to reach more people around the world? Visit our website at www.hopealiveradio.co.za or email info at hopealiveradio for more information on how to submit your 30-minute sermon on Hope Alive Radio. Alternatively, you can call us on 011-976-0600. Hope Alive Radio Station, shaping minds for a better future. Stay home, keep social distancing, and be safe. Together, we will overcome. Good evening and welcome to the Feminine Touch tonight. It is 11 minutes past uh, 6 and we are ready to start our two hours of talk radio with your, with you and myself, Mbuminguna. We just played you, Todd Dulaney, Victory Belongs to Jesus. And indeed, even on the 13th of September, we are still declaring that victory belongs to Jesus. want to let you know what's coming up tonight on the Feminine Touch. For the first half of the show, we talk to uh, Pastor Wayne Chaff as we talk talk about faith, ministry, as well as marriage. So tune in to the conversation. You're more than welcome to follow us on Facebook, share a question or a comment for Pastor Wayne, and um, you can find us on Hope Alive Radio Station. We're on Instagram on Hope Alive Radio. You can also find us on Twitter on Hope Alive underscore radio. And if you want to send us a WhatsApp or a text message, all you need to do is just uh, simply message 067-153-1089. Pastor Wayne, good evening and welcome to the Feminine Touch. Good evening. Uh, thank you very much. It is an honor and a privilege uh, to be considered for this talk. I'm really grateful. So thank you very much for having me. Oh, well, we thank God. We thank God that he was able to allow us to really have this time with you tonight as well. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Now, Pastor Wayne, I would love to just get into the interview. You are uh, a pastor and you're actively serving at Rima Bible Church. I would love to know how long have you been ministering God's word? Oh my, uh, that's a lot of question. I, I think I've been <laughs> ministering the word of God for as long as I, I can remember. But I, I think I started speaking about God consciously um, sure. just after high just after high school. You know, I got born again at 16. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it happened in my room. Um, a friend of mine just you know, gave me, I think uh, it was a scripture from Isaiah, which says, you know, wherever God leads, um, he provides. And wherever he takes you, he guides. You can go through the waters. You won't be drowned. Go through the fires. You won't be burned. And that was just on the backdrop when I lost both my parents and I was in a very bad place. He was part of Scripture Union still at high school. So he gave me that. It was a card that I kept around it and carried it everywhere that I went. And uh, I think one night when I just listened to uh, gospel music, at the end of that CD, 
actually it was Jimmy Swaggart. He there was a salvation call, and that's how I gave my life to Jesus. So I think from from there onwards, there was just this passion, just to talk about Jesus, to talk about God and what He has done in my life. And I think that that's where it started, really. Then I think then after that, uh, it had to be followed up with you know Bible school, you know later in later years after varsity and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. So from a young age, God has really impressed this call upon your life. And it's so amazing that uh, God saved you at a young age. And a lot of the work that you're doing centers around young people as well. Yeah, but leading up to 16 16 years old, it was carnage. It was chaos. My life was just a mess. Mm. Uh, I think for most people who know me, you know, from a very early age to about when I was about 15, 14, somewhere there, they cannot believe that my life has turned out to be the way it has right now because I was, yeah, I was, I was a mess, you know, mm. I was a mess. You know, God says he doesn't, yeah. I know the saying that says God does not call the qualified, but instead he qualifies the cult. And just as you're speaking, that's what comes to my heart right now. Yeah, a lot of people say that. I, I think for me, it's more to do that. God has got a lot of sense of humor. Mm. We're just a crowd that is too shy to laugh. I mean, I mean, he could have used, I think, my brother, people who had it all together, but he used the guy that I, I was, if, if there was someone who was supposed to be in jail, that was me. If there was someone who was supposed to die before 18, that was me. Sure. So um, it, it's just a God, a gracious God, really. You know, I I don't have anything that I can say apart from His grace. Yeah, absolutely, God's grace indeed. Now, uh, I love how you said, Pastor Wayne. You know, when you heard this song after you were listening to the scripture, you really felt, "Let me give my life to Jesus." What then moved you to say, "From giving my life to Jesus, now I've got to start really actively pursuing this call of God in my life." I I wanted to know the one that I've given my life to. Mm. I, I had this desire inside of me to say, I want to know more about this Jesus mm. who, who died for my sins. But there's a promise that he can actually make my life better. If he can make my life better than what I'm going through right now, mm. because I was in so much pain as a young person, as a young man, mm. I didn't have a lot of answers. When my mom died, I, I wanted answers and I couldn't get them anywhere. And my friend Humphrey kept on saying that, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. So mm, I was like, mm. but he isn't answering all the questions that I ask him at night. He's like, no, you have to walk with him. You have to listen. You have to go on a journey with him. It's a process. Mm. So I went on the process to get most of the answers. It took me 10 years to get to terms with my mom's death. But mm. I think in that 10 years, I had, I had felt the love of God in my life. I actually felt Jesus, you know. In, like when I worship, when I read the word, it felt like there'd be moments when he was just speaking directly to me. Mm. I read scriptures and it felt like he's speaking to me. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. And I think further than that, I, what I also did was I just did anything the ministry asked me to do. Mm. You know, I just fell in love with serving, you know. Mm. And, and somewhere mm. along the lines, I was told I had a pastoral heart. It is then I was pushed into ministry, you know. Then I followed it up with three years of Bible school. That is where after my varsity, after work for a corporate company, you know. Then I went to Bible school for three years, not become a pastor, but to know Jesus more, to know more about God. I was just in love with God. So uh, being a pastor was not even part of my, my desires growing up. Mm, I mean, mm. for, for, for Christ's sake, I made fun of pastors mm. growing up. 
you know, and 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 I was just pushed into ministry, and boom, there I was, you know. Mm-hmm. But Bible school for me was just like a place I needed to be just to know more about God and mm-hmm. just to make sense of what is actually happening in my life. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, Pastor Wayne, you said something so profound. You said you were serving. You availed yourself. And your interest was just to know Jesus more, to hear him speak to you. And in that, God revealed his purpose to you. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's what really happened. And I was just one of those guys that if, like, if there's a cafeteria and people are serving coffee and they need someone to set up the chairs before um, they open the coffee shop at church, I was the guy, the one to pack up the chairs. I was the guy. Sure. Or if there's someone who's stuck, doesn't have transport to go home, I was the guy that is like, I'll drive around, you know, be in Alex, I'll be so late, I'll just dropping people around. That was just, it just gave me so much joy that I could be used yeah. to do something like that in the ministry. It, it had nothing to, I mean, with the microphone, no. I, my microphone came into my hands very late into what I was doing. As a matter of fact, I, my my greatest calling or gift is the gift of connection, like to connect people, mm. to talk to people on the ground. That's that's where my my gift is. So even if you take away the microphone from my hands today, there wouldn't be a void because I know that I'm called just to connect people, to be on the ground with people, to minister people to people at the point of their need. That's that's where I'm at. That's where my greatest gift is actually. Mm. You know, yeah. You are so clear on your purpose, and I, I just love how you are so clear, and God has just really confirmed that. You know, Pastor Wayne, as you're speaking, the greatest leader, Jesus, he served his disciples. He washed their feet. And to pull out chairs, to drop off people, it might seem like it's just a mundane task, but in that you were serving God's people, and that's how God sees the quality of your heart to then qualify you to say, now you can take the mic. You posted something on Instagram and you said, God's things take time. And I, I, I echo what you're saying after answering that, that God took time. There was a process before he got you to the microphone. And often we're rushing to get the mic without the process. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you see, the thing is that um, when we look at microphones or we look at the pulpit, you mm, know, mm. pulpit is something that is... is um, it's elevated when you have the microphone, you have the attention of everybody. But I think along the way, what God has been speaking to me about is that not only that pulpits elevate you because they give you the platform to speak to people and people listen to you, but because they're also elevated, they expose you. So Mm -hmm. if you get there without the proper, the proper process, you're going to be exposed. And my pastor normally says that, look, never allow your gift to take you to a place where your character can keep you. Mm-hmm. So there is a blessing, there is a blessing in the process. And I think for me, it was just like, you know, I'm just gonna allow God's process to take effect in my life. Mm-hmm. And me doing all these things, it was not like, okay, I have to do this thing as my stepping stone. No, I actually enjoy serving people. I actually enjoy driving people around. I actually enjoy getting people who came to church, didn't know how they're gonna get back home. And I become the guy that I take them home. Then I get to just find out about their life story. You know, there's a blessing in that. So that's basically where I'm at as a person. And I, I, I don't want to stop growing. I don't want to stop serving. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm fine, you know, in that place, really. Yeah. 
Amen. Well, we're talking to Pastor Wayne Chef on uh, faith, love, and marriage and ministry. If you want to join the conversation, we're on Facebook on Hope Alive Radio Station. We're on Instagram at Hope Alive Radio. You can also drop us a message on uh, Twitter, and you'll find us on Hope Alive underscore radio. WhatsApp, send us a voice note or a message on 067-153-1089. Now, Pastor Wayne, uh, you, you love serving and you're very explicit on how God has assisted you and walked that journey with you. But challenges come along the way as we are serving God and we're walking this path. Talk to us, please, about what helped you stay in the faith. Challenges when they came. How did you continue to say, I'm going to walk with this God no matter what situation I'm facing? I think staying in faith is right down to God's grace. Uh, and it's just been God's grace and the willingness to stick it through, knowing that he who has begun a good work in me will see it to completion, no matter what happens, because God doesn't call um, his children to punish them. So mm -hmm. whatever that is thrown at me or whatever that I go through, I just know that these two shall come to pass. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, I, I don't ask the question, why is this happening to me? Mm -hmm. I always ask the question, what is this teaching me? because mm. I want to get a lesson from everything else that I go through in life. Mm. And I think that's how I've managed to stay in faith that, look, I, I don't think God has called me to punish me, but it's going to take me through some stuff. I mm. wish he can take me through uh, over some things, mm. but that's not how it works. He, he walks with you through the fire. Mm. He, he climbs the mountain with you. So for me, instead of worrying about what is happening to me, I'm more concerned about what is happening through me and to me. And that's how I've managed to, to grow um, along 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 the path, you know, of my service here. What is God teaching me? I'm learning. Thank you, Pastor. Now you're very involved in the young adults ministry, and uh, you look very young. So I'd say you are not old. You're just a younger, an older young adult, so to speak. What led you to young adults ministry? Oh man, that's my generation. Um, <laughs> they are me, and I am them. You know, I, I am called to my them, generation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am called to my generation and the one that's going to come after me. So um, we, we have to leave a legacy of faithfulness, a legacy of integrity, a legacy of, of service mm. to the generation that is coming. So um, I'm not called to be speaking to people who are 60 years old. That's not my generation, but I'm going to be held accountable with my generation. So I am able to relate. That's why I do campus ministry because on, everybody that goes to university, they're like 19 and above. Mm. I almost can relate to um, their challenges because I've been on campus before. Mm. And uh, yeah, and I think it's a space where there's so much life because the um, language changes um, every year. There's new technologies coming up. Like when I started doing campus ministry, we didn't have words like the selfie, you know, but today we have the word like a selfie. But so I had to, always innovate to be relevant to my generation. And I think that's why I love the young adult space, uh, that I'm in there because that's my generation and I, we have to leave something for the ones that is coming behind me. You know? So I think it's just a space where I love, I belong, and uh, I know that I can just be me and uh, God can use me with everything that I come with. I don't have to pretend to be something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. 
Beautiful stuff. Now, with being a campus ministry, as much as you're walking with um, young people, there are certain dynamics um, that are involved in that ministry. Let's talk about what are some of the dynamics you've enc uh, encountered being involved in young adults' ministry and how you've overcome them. Sure. Predominantly, um, most young adults like taking shortcuts. That's like one of the biggest problems on the universities uh, in church. Young adults like taking shortcuts. And when they take shortcuts, they're always cut short mm -hmm. because it's a God of process. So we have to always teach process, accountability and responsibility and availability. We, we have to always push that to our generation that, look, stop taking shortcuts because you'll be cut short. You won't get where you're supposed to be. We are a generation that likes um, experimenting too much with our love life, with our careers, with our education, basically everything else. We are a generation that likes looking good without actually being good, a generation that likes you know, looking like we are spiritual without actually being spiritual because people don't want to die to self and actually follow through with what they, they confess with their mouth. You know, um, but I think um, to top it up, we are also a generation that is not looking for a cool pastor or an eloquent pastor. It is a generation that is looking for um, someone that can point them to a God that is bigger than their problems. And that's where we win. We win when we point this generation to a God that is bigger than their problems. Then at that point, you're able to win them over. But if you want to come across as if you are the answer to their problems, mm. they know that you don't have the answers. They know that you're a mere mortal. They know you're just human. They know that you're not perfect. So we always fail them when we try to point people to us instead of pointing them to a God that is bigger than their problems, their insecurities, their shortfalls, you know, um, their anxiety, their depression. You point them to a God that is bigger than that then when you do that, you have them. You have them. Mm. Beautiful stuff. God is a God of process. Point people to a God that is bigger than their problems. Really profound stuff. Thank you, Pastor Wayne, for that. If we, if we look at um, COVID-19 and the impact that it's had um, on your ministry, how did you guys keep engaging with young adults, even though you couldn't physically be with them? Well, it has been a challenge simply because you and I or anybody else have never been in this situation before. So I think when we went into lockdown, we actually thought or felt that we we're going to only be there for 21 days. Then 21 days was came to more than 550 days. So we had to innovate. Uh, we had to innovate because young adults or youth are people who are social butterflies. They want to engage. So the social gatherings um, were not happening anymore and people were sadly drifting into panic attacks, depressions, whatever it is. But thank God for innovation that, you know, we can use methods, you know, because the gospel or the, the good news does not change, but the methods to dismiss it always change. So we had to rely very much on virtual platforms, you know, and that sort of like helped be able to create, you know, online in a virtual home cells, classrooms, teachings, and just being on, on Zoom or any other like-minded platform just to engage people, you know, just to be like, see someone's face and ask how they are doing and stuff like that. That helped, but to tell the truth, it has been a challenge. Mm. It has been a challenge, yeah. 
we might have lost a lot of people um, in the pandemic, yeah. And, uh, you know, Pastor Wayne, uh, what, what do you think uh, should be done? I mean, so many churches are echoing the same thing that you're saying. We've lost a lot of people. What then? What do we do to try and regain, bring back those people, connect with them again? Or do we just continue and move forward? When I say we have lost a lot of people, I'm talking about as a church, universally, we have lost the, the touch, the connectivity with the people. But essentially, nothing is lost when it's in God's hands. Mm. So they are not lost. They are still in God's hands. But I'm saying to bring them into a place of fellowship, that has been broken down. Therefore, it is time to rebuild, just like Nehemiah did. So whenever now it's 250 people, what can we do 250 people? We have to start somewhere. Mm. And that's what we're getting ready to do. Yeah, they are still out there, still in God's hands, but they're not in fellowship. That's what I mean. You know, so we, we need to make sure that we bring them back. So we go back to like the, the, the early church where we didn't want thousands in auditoriums, but in houses, in small groups. So we go back to evangelism one-on-one, you know, come back to your first love. So wherever you are, remind people that there's God who loves you and he wants you back. I think that's where we need to go to. Mm-hmm. It's church one-on-one now. You know, one-on-one, yeah. Back to the basics. Yeah. All right, so let's talk now about marriage. I think you really laid down the ministry part really well. Um, Thank you, Pastor Wayne. Now, you and your wife have been married for 12 years, and uh, I read your post, you said marriage... Um, you said weddings are overrated, but marriage is boss. I'd love for you to elaborate (laughs) that for us. (laughs) Oh, man, you have done your homework. I, I had to. You <laughs> yeah, I think when I was writing that, I, I, it was upon realization that one is an event and the other is a lifelong process. Mm. So more, more people spend more money and effort that is put into the event, which is the wedding, rather than the lifelong process, which is the marriage. So a lot of people will go months and months and months planning an event called the wedding without actually putting much into their marriage. That's mm-hmm. going to happen one day. If it com- if it's a white or traditional wedding, it's going to be two days. There'll be two great days where you're going to be happy. And you put your finances and your efforts and everything there, the attire in that. But you don't put anything into your pre-marital counseling mm-hmm. for with, with something that you, someone you're going to spend the rest of your life with. So when I drew um, a comparison between the two, I realized that no, weddings are overrated. Marriage is both. That's where all our efforts need to be um, forwarded and stuff like that. I think that was that was the background to do my my post like that. Yeah. And do you do premarital counseling yourself, having had that revelation that the process should be focusing on the marriage and not the wedding? Yeah, I do that quite a lot. I actually have with 18 couples that we are counseling, all of them to get married this year. So that actually takes a chunk of our time. But now, thank God that we, we are at home and we can do it you know, via Zoom, so it has become easier. Yeah, I do that quite a bit, quite a bit, actually. Mm, mm, mm. 
I love that you are, you are practicing something that you yourself have seen God take you through as well. Now, you and your wife, I see v- you are very active on social media um, with your ministry as well, Pastor Wayne. And your wife, uh, you are in a multiracial marriage as well. What are some of the dynamics one can face when you're not just blending cultures, but you're also blending two different races in a marriage? Yeah, I think fundamentally, uh, because we are two people that are from different backgrounds, um, somewhere, somehow, that comes to play in how you raise your kids, uh, the food that you eat, how you relate to your family and your in-laws, um, all that comes to play. But other than that, it's just the same difference between men and women, which mm. is the same across culture. Yeah. Um, across sexes, basically. Uh, she's a woman, I'm a man. The challenges that I have a man, it's, it's the same as a white man or Indian man. You know, as a person of color, it's the same thing. Mm. But uh, some of the dynamics that you have is that, look, our food isn't the same. Mm. You know, um, I, I eat pap when, it's not, when I demand it. Uh, it's like, oh, I need to eat pap today, can I do that? But she's not gonna wake up, you know, that morning thinking that she needs to cook pap. It's not in her, you mm. know? Mm. And it's like, but she's able to cook pop, you know, mm. but it's not like automatic. Um, with kids, uh, there is a lot of routines um, that come into, you know, um, the homework, uh, the, the bath times. Those are, we stick to no matter what happens, you know, it's like the kids have got routine, you know. Um, how we talk, um, she's a straight talker. You know, and I I come with, you know, there's a way how we talk to one another. So if you're not aware of how she communicates, you'd be like, yo, hey, this woman, how can you speak like that? You know what I mean? But but those are some of the challenges. And, 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 and of course, the fact is that, look, we are people that have got different tests in so many things, mm. in so many things. But us being together for 12 years, we sort of like uh, have have majored on the majors, we've never majored on the minors. So there are certain things that are so, there are minor things. Mm. You don't need to worry or stress yourself about stuff that is like, ah, man, you can't lose sleep over something like that, mm. you know? Mm. Um, one, I'll give you one example, though. Um, a couple of years, my, my grandmother died uh, in Soweto. Uh, stayed in Shawela, because so, that's where I grew up. Um, then, as you know, as our, our culture, my uncle came from Eastern Cape, because man, and it's like, okay, Ukogo, Shonile, and all that kind of stuff. So mm. we're going to have to have all the Makotis. All the Makotis used to come, clear one room, put like a mattresses there, mm. light the candles, let them come and sit there. Mm. The boys going to come tomorrow morning, they're going to do a thing. So I was like, uh, Malumi, no, my wife is not doing that. Mm. I'm like, no, but I'm like, yes, she is, but that's our culture. So we cannot impose that on my wife. Mm, mm. So that was, that was one big one, you know, that I had to actually stand up for my wife because I knew that these are some of the dynamics. I'm not going to now get my wife to sit with um, the coffin when she's never done that before and sure. she's never done that where she's coming from, you know what I mean? Mm. But she is probably pushed she was going to do it, but I had to step in on her behalf to speak. When I said, no, no, my wife's not going to do that. Mm. 
Then the whole thing of slaughtering, where they wanted to slaughter and all that kind of stuff. I was like, explain to me why do we need to slaughter? Mm. Then they couldn't explain to me. Okay, fine, we just want to get a catering company. They're going to cook the food and bring the cakes, whatever, then we're going to eat. We did that, and that has become part of our tradition. Mm. We do that now because it's easier, you know. Because, like, the reason why you clear up rooms to make space is because predominantly we had four-room houses, so there was no space. When people come from, people come from Emakaya, they can't fit into the small house, so you have to take all the furniture out to accommodate a lot of people in that bedroom. Mm. But for, in some, for, for instance, if you stay in Branston, you've got a big house, a mansion, why would you want to, clear out furniture when you go 12 bedrooms where all the family members can sleep. Mm. Those are some of the things that I had asked my uncle to actually explain to me and he did. And I'm like, the slaughtering was that there's one beast that needs to be chopped in small sizes so that everybody can have enough food because when there's a funeral, the whole community comes. So I'm like, but we have resources now. We can buy as much meat as we want. Let's do that. So we get this corner to do the catering thing for everybody. For a thousand people, everybody ate, finished, clean everything. Mm. That is one of the biggest things in terms of dynamics that actually I can share with you tonight. Mm. You know, did that respectfully, but um, yeah, it had to be done. So yeah, I had to stand up for my wife to make sure that we we are on the same page as a team, you know, as a team, husband and wife. Yeah. Mm. And I like the fact that it was very clear that it had to be from your side um, to stand up and not your wife having to stand up to your family. Yeah, no, it had to be me. That that that's. Um, I know we have a tendency of fighting one another, but as a couple, you have to fight for one another. Mm-hmm. And that was a clear example that I had to fight for her. Yeah. Do you feel that people make um, race or culture a big thing in marriage? Because you said you focus on the majors and we, uh, rather leave the minors. Do you think that people put too much emphasis on it in general? I, I think it's overplayed to the point where it has become a blockage to love, personally. Because I think when you get married to someone, you begin your own family and you begin to make your own rules. So how my, our family functions is different to my family and it is also different to her family. So we have a blended approach to our family. The way our kids are going to be raised up, uh, it's going to be different to where I've been raised up and also different to how she's been raised up. So we are creating a new family between two of us. We have been entrusted with the responsibility to bring up kids into this world and to look after them. So we have to bring them up in the way that the Lord wants us to do that. You know, mm-hmm. that's probably our reference point. But you actually make your own culture, the two of you moving forward, because your in-laws are not always with you 24-7, 365 a year. They visit you for two days, three days. Surely they cannot dictate what needs to happen in your home. Mm. You are, are you are a family first, then anyone comes and follows first. I don't see a situation where my mother comes into my house and begin to call shots. Then I am just happy with that. I'm not going to allow that, you know, my wife to be subjected to that. And nor will her dad take me hunting when I'm not a hunter. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> so, so those are those are some of the things that we 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 make our own you know, rules in the family, how mm. God guides us and stuff like that. We agree upon them, then we stick to them. Mm. We you agree. Yeah. Can two or more work together unless they agree? Hey? That's it. 
Now, I know you how said... How can we uh, work together? Yes, how can we work together? So we agree, and then the family must comply to our agreement because this is our family first. Mm, yeah. So, Pastor Wayne, um, you know, you said earlier on that sometimes you do demand pop and your wife will make it for you, but I, I did see a post where she made fat cook and they looked really good, hey? This, the thing that with my wife, because I do not demand to say, oh, cook pop, whatever it is. My wife is like very... She, well, my wife is very mixed. She's German, English, Jewish, and French. And when they came to South Africa, um, her dad was a, chose to teach in Soweto. Uh, he was teaching English. Um, so she's had experiences in how we live as a society. Mm. And she's had to make her own choices in life. So, for example, when she spent time with some of my sisters, you know, uh, people that we visit, she's very inquisitive. How do you make that? Please send me the recipe. And she tries it out and she gets it right. Mm. So she goes, oh yeah, I take mm. and the other day, the other day she was, uh, she was attempting um, Briani. I, that is levels. Briani <laughs> is another level. Your wife uh, is levels, yeah. She was attempting Briani. Now she's been, uh, she got um, a recipe to do uh, the cook and she's busy doing that. So she's like really, you know, she's just happy to be, uh, to be surrounded by diversity. You know what I mean? Mm. And uh, she she doesn't feel out of place. It doesn't matter where we go. Uh, you can leave her in Soweto and uh, go away. She's just, you know, happy to be part of God's creation and society. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Truly, truly is a blessing. Now, Pastor Wayne, you are a family man through and through. I mean, on your social media, we see your passion and your love for your wife and children. I have to ask you, did this come naturally for you? And how do you constantly work on building your family with your wife? Um, I think, I, think um, I would like to be the same person wherever I am. So if I'm on social media, I don't want to um, portray um, an image that is not truly me. I don't want to be this uh, public persona um, of something that I'm it's not me because most of the times people choose to show their highlight reels on social media, but not not the uncut footage. Mm. So for me, I think it's more to do what you see on social media. You'll be able to pick up my passions. You know that I love my family very much, and the reason why I love my family very much is because they're a gift that mm. God gave me. So. Even in a public space, I don't want to hide that I'm married. I don't want to hide that I've got children. Mm. I don't want to hide that I play sports. I don't want to hide that I love ministry. I, so you, you're going to see that it's almost like divided in, in four. There's my family life there. There is my, my spiritual life there. There's my social life there. And there's my comedy life there. It, it's the, if you meet me in person, you'll be able to say, okay, this is the same person that I, I saw on social media. Mm. That's that. And, 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 and social media, how it's started, more, more especially Instagram, I used my, like my, my online um, photo album. Mm -hmm. So you, I post a lot. I post a lot. So I'm not really waiting for likes, mm. you know, but like I just post a lot. So like I can go, you know, let me just go to 2017 and see what was happening. Then I go through all my photos and it becomes a memory for me. It's like a digital album, mm. you know. Mm. That's, that's basically that. But also, it's an opportunity for me not to hide my beliefs. Mm -hmm. If you go through my social media, 
you know that I, I love God and God loves me and I don't hide it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I, for me, I understand that there are five godly priorities, um, things that really God considers as priorities. Number one is your personal relationship with God, like Wayne and God. Then from there, it is my personal relationship with my wife. Then number three, it is my relationship with my kids. Number four, it is my relationship with me and my family and people around me. Then the last one becomes my vocation, which is I'm a pastor. So being a pastor is not the number one thing in my life. It is the last thing in my life. It's my relationship with God that is number one. Number two, my wife. Number three, my kids. Number four, that is me, my me time, self-care, and my family around me. Then the last thing becomes my vocation, which is pastoring. If I was a banker, um, then it could have been banking. If I was in IT, it could have been IT. That's my work. Mm-hmm. So I can never put work before my God, mm-hmm. put work before my my wife, put, put work before my kids mm-hmm. or myself. It, mm-hmm. Everything has to be in its place. Why is that so important to me? Because we serve a God of order. Mm-hmm. He creates the sky before the bird so that the bird can have a place to stay, to fly. He creates the ocean before the fish so that the fish can have a place to stay. He's a God of order, so he does not bless anything that is out of order. So I try to actually keep that order in every aspect of my life, in every sphere. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much. And perhaps let's talk um, more marriage questions now, um, the last part of the interview. To someone who's listening and desiring the gift of marriage, what would be your advice to them, Pastor Wayne, in their waiting season? Work on you. Work on you. There's a lot of like, I'm looking for so-and-so, I'm looking for those. No, no, there's things that you're looking for in someone. Look for those things in yourself first. Once you can find those things in yourself, guess what? You attract someone who's got those things because boundaries, attract boundaries. Lack of boundaries, attract lack of boundaries. So if you're looking for someone who's patient, be patient. Someone who's um, got very good hygiene, be the one with very good hygiene. That's mm. how it works. Mm. Yeah. You can't ask Work on yourself. Know. Yeah. No. It, it becomes of like, what are you bringing to the table? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got to be the person that you're looking for. So, so you got to be looking for yeah. a person. Yeah. That's basically that. That's, so for someone who's waiting, what are you actually doing in your waiting? It's not the whole issue of to, uh, to find and to keep, or I'm waiting to be found. No. While you are busy doing what God has called you to do, doing God's work, working on yourself, being fulfilled, you will find someone who's told. Because the thing is not 50-50. It's 100-100 that you bring into a relationship. There you have it. Uh, Advice from Pastor Wayne. If you're desiring the gift of marriage, work on you. Be the person that you are pursuing. And Pastor Wayne, to a couple that is married and perhaps on the road, finding the road to be a bit tough, what would be your message of encouragement to um, that couple? Don't give up on love. Don't give up on God because God will never give up on you. Um, The challenges that you are um, going through right now, you are going through them. You are not um, pitching a tent. Um, it is a process which is called the two shall become one. It means that there's a lot of dying to self that needs to take place. 
but also speak to God about your challenges. People call it prayer, pray. But I, I like using the word speak to God about your challenges. Tell God where you are failing. Uh, tell God about your successes. Many times I'll probably go outside at night, maybe one or two in the morning, and I'll be walking around the yard with tears in my eyes, and I'm actually saying to God, God, I'm failing to love this woman that you gave it to me. As a matter of fact, I have no clue how I can satisfy this woman. Where am I getting it wrong? So it's about work on me, work on me, work on me, not the other person, work on me, work sure, on me. Sure. Where can I improve? So when I do that, I find that, look, I not only that I'm able to listen to my wife, but I can also hear her. Mm. Those are two different things. I'm able to have a conversation with her, but also have communication. I can have honesty with her, you know, I can also be open with her. So there's, there's a dimension that I go into in seeking God's guidance when I say, God, speak to me, help me. I'm failing here, help me. Mm. So for anyone who's in the space right now, you can speak to a lot of people when I give you very nice, neatly put together words. But they're just words because it's like motivation, encouragement. But encouragement just, you know, gets your hopes high. But a word that comes from God gives you life in every dead situation in your life. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Now, Pastor um, Wayne, in these uncertain times, I mean, we find our faith being challenged. And how do we, we keep trusting God in these times? What would be your encouragement to someone who's saying, I want to still walk this journey, but I'm struggling? I think challenges are always going to be there for, uh, for as long as we exist in this body. But I think one thing that should give us comfort and something that can encourage us is to know that since the beginning of time, God has never lost a battle. And why would he start now? Mm. Why would it be your case that God loses? I think that's one thing that's encouraged me that, look, he's never lost a battle. He has never lost anything, as a matter of fact. People are like, oh, but he lost his son on the, on the cross. No, he did not lose Jesus. He gave Jesus for us. God does not order what he doesn't pay for. He does not send you to the place where he's not going to be able to provide for you. He won't call you into a relationship where he's not going to give, where he's not going to give you the grace, you know, and the ability to actually withstand anything that the devil can throw at you. So just understand that God has got this, you know, um, he who has begun a good work in your life will see it to completion. That should be a comforting thing that we have a God that never sleeps nor slumbers. He's the one that watches over his children 24, 7, 3, 6, 5 a year. That should encourage all of us. So that is a, in these uncertain times, you know, where you find your faith challenged, allow it to be challenged because faith only grows when it's challenged, when it's stretched. It is part of the puzzle. It is part of the process of God growing you to another level. Because God is committed to taking us from glory to glory, from one level to another level. You're never going to get into that level if everything else was hunky-dory. How are you going to know that he's a healer if you've never been sick? How are you going to know that he's your provider if you've never been broke? Mm. How are you going to know that he's your peace of mind if you've never been confused or dealt with maybe anxiety or depression? How are you going to know that is your all in all if you've never given everything that you need to give to him? You see, God is about, is committed to, to mending broken lives and, break, uh, and broken hearts, but he wants us to present all the broken pieces of our lives before him. When we do that, then he can, he can mend us, put us back together. 
Pastor Wayne Chaff, what an amazing time it has been to sh- uh, just listen to you and just uh, receive what God has poured into your heart. Thank you so much uh, for your time tonight, Pastor Wayne. Truly has been an amazing topic on faith, ministry, as well as marriage. Um, you you couldn't have said it any better than that. Faith only grows when it's challenged, um, when it's stretched. So I think that is our ultimate encouragement, that God will allow the stretching because he knows he's He's never lost a mm. battle, as you said. Amazing. Uh, and yeah, thank you so much for having me. I think in conclusion from my side is that look to my generation, to anybody that is listening at the sound of my voice right now, in these trying times, God is saying, let us move from even if. Uh, we need to move from what if to even if. So it's like, what if things fall apart? What if my marriage breaks? What if I don't get income? What if I don't get employment? But God wants us to move from what if to even if. Even if my life is falling apart, God is still God. Even if this is out of place, I still got God. That's the best way God wants us to be. He wants us to have that as our address, even if, because he's never lost a battle before. Amen and amen. Pastor Wayne Chaff, have yourself a fantastic evening. Uh, God bless you. You are the family. We thank you. We appreciate you. And most importantly, we are just so grateful for your time tonight once again. Thank you. Thank you so much for me. Really, I'm totally humbled um, that you could consider me thank you so much and to all your listeners uh you are blessed to have someone that has um the heart and uh the work ethic to go and dig i was so taken <laughs> aback by your your research on me <laughs> but yeah so thank you so much really truly humble thank you so much yeah god bless you and uh may you grow in every area um, in your life may god perfect everything that concerns you and your family god bless you Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Wayne. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We wrap up the first half of the show with our interview with Pastor Wayne Chaff on uh, faith, ministry, as well as marriage. For now, we're going to play you a double play of music, and then we come back for the second half. You are listening to Hope Alive, streaming live from Hope Restoration Ministries, Kempton Park, South Africa.